shows you how well trained I am. Travis leaves, I step up. That's, then they jerk it around on me this morning, so. Good to have you back. I am glad that we are getting into some sense of normal after uh, all of our adventures with COVID. And, uh, and glad you are back. We welcome those of you who are joining us online. Uh, we have had people from London, England, and um, Singapore, and a couple of other. Y'all had no idea I'm international, did you? That's right. So, new level there. Uh, we are glad, glad you're here. And I just want to emphasize what Ron um, said just a minute ago that we'll be. Uh, I'd love to have the chance to speak to you a little longer and, and uh, get to know you. If I haven't had that chance, I'll be in the parlor right after the service for a few minutes uh, in between uh, this service and our second one. Uh, but I'd look forward to have the chance to say hi to you there. Yeah, Catherine Johnson was hired by NASA in the late 1950s. She was hired, get this, as a computer. That was her job title. In fact, she was hired as a colored computer. Now you have to remember, this was the time before big computers, big mainframes. In fact, one of the interesting facts is you have more computer power in your phone than they did when they landed on the moon. You have more computer power in your hand than those astronauts had when they landed on the moon. So they hired mathematicians to do all of the detailed calculating that you'd have to do to get a man in space and back, get a man and all that preparation they were doing to get a man to the moon. You may have seen the movie Hidden Figures. That was Katherine Johnson. And in the big scene of the movie, She's asked to go to the board, this large blackboard that they did all of their calculating on. And in front of all of those NASA engineers, she was told to do the figuring, do the calculations so that they would find out where Alan Shepard would land. Now remember the very first astronaut in space literally went straight up, got into space, waved back at earth and came back. They shot him out of Cape Canaveral, Cape Kennedy, and he landed near the Bahamas. That was the trip. But they didn't know where he was gonna land. She had to do that calculation. So it, the movie shows her doing this very detailed mathematical formula and coming to the answer and then turning around and saying, here's your answer, here are the coordinates where we will find him, give or take 20 miles. Alan Shepard, the astronaut who would be in that first space flight, shouts out, I like those numbers. Why did he like those numbers? Because his life depended on those numbers. Katherine Johnson had to be right. Lives depended on it. Her math had to be correct. Somebody was counting on her. We live in a time where we are told that truth is relative through your experience. 
that there is no foundational truth, there is no solid truth, that everybody knows truth through their own experience, through their own race, through their own neighborhood, and all of that, and all of truth is relative. And that you've heard people say, well, this is my truth. As many math courses as I took, I could never get one of my math teachers to appreciate my truth. (laughs) No, it was her truth or it was wrong. It was his truth or it was wrong. Math is an exacting discipline. There's an answer or it's wrong. We're told in our culture there is no truth that everybody has to find their own truth. Life is an exacting journey. Your calculations have to be right. Lives depend on it. Your life depends on it. We're not the first people to ask this question. Let's read the story of another man who would ask Jesus the very thing that we would want to ask him. Stand now in honor of God's word, picking up in John 18. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters and summoned Jesus and he said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you this about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, your own nation and chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate said. You say that I'm a king, Jesus answered. I was born for this. I have come into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? And Pilate said, what is truth? Truth. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, like Pilate, we want to know what is true, what we can count on, what we can believe what we can trust. Our lives depend on it. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Pilate wasn't playing. He desperately wanted somebody to tell him what to do in this moment. You talk about being between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, he had the popular teacher, Jesus, that the masses had supported. 
Pilate had seen Jesus ride into Jerusalem. Pilate knew all about the crowds that were following Jesus. It was his job to know. There were spies that were sent from the Romans to follow Jesus, to come back and report, to find out if whether or not Jesus was indeed a dangerous person, somebody who was to be watched, maybe even arrested. You see, there were lots of messiahs in Jesus' day. There were lots of people claiming to be the savior of Israel, and they were always violent except Jesus. Now Jesus has uh, caused such a commotion that the religious leaders have turned Jesus over to Pilate. Jerusalem... Judea was a notoriously difficult place for the Romans to rule. It was very frustrating for the Roman Empire. They could never quite ever get control of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas the way that they had other pieces of the empire. For some reason, the Jews would just never quite assimilate into Roman life. So on the one hand, Pilate had this struggle of trying to keep peace in Jerusalem, also having to please Rome. Now, Pilate is a very cynical politician. He knows the truth is whatever Caesar says it is. The truth is whatever he needs it to be. The truth is whatever gets him through this crisis on to the next crisis. So he asked Jesus, what is truth? You tell me one thing, the Jewish leaders tell me something else. Rome says something else totally different. Can you help me out of this mess? Can you tell me what is true? And we can't wait for what Jesus says next. Jesus is going to tell us everything we've always wanted to know, and he's going to tell us in these next sentences in his reply to Pilate. In fact, we know as we read this story, we're going to be quoting what Jesus said to Pilate from now on. This is going to be heavy. This is going to be rich. So let's talk about what Jesus said to Pilate. Nothing. Nothing. Pilate is frustrated beyond all telling. We're frustrated beyond all telling. Honestly, as a follower of Jesus, aren't there some times when you just wish Jesus would stand up and just set everybody straight? Right? So we we wouldn't have to have a lot of these discussions. We could just say, this is what Jesus said, deal with it. But in those moments when we want Jesus to be bold, when we want him to be exact, when we want him to be clear, he says nothing. Why didn't he answer? 
partly you know. You have been in these arguments where you can never quite nail the other person down to what they believe and what they think. They've always got one more question, one more stuff. So if Jesus answers truth, then what else is Pilate going to play with? Pilate is not going to be brave. Pilate is not going to be courageous. He's not going to do the right thing. He's going to do what gets Pilate through. So Jesus says nothing. The other thing, Jesus did answer. He was standing right in front of Pilate. What is truth? And Jesus looks at him. You're looking at him. The radical teaching of the gospel is that Jesus did not bring a list of propositions for us to memorize. We don't have a list of statements that we check off. The radical teaching of Jesus, the radical teaching of the gospel is that God said in Jesus everything he wants us to know. John, same gospel, chapter one. And the word became flesh. The logos became flesh. The meaning became flesh. The word, everything God wants to say became flesh in Jesus Christ. And John says, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the son of the one and, of the one and only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Truth incarnate, truth in flesh. When you walk into the sanctuary, you see another verse from John where Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to go away. And Philip says, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. Remember Jesus' answer? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We want sentences. We want Jesus to give us a list of 10 things you have to know that we can check off, that we can say, yes, I, I, I believe that. Yes, I know that to be true. Check, check, check. What he does is he sends us himself. Why? A couple of reasons. One, everything you need to know in life, all of the questions you're going to have to answer, all of the challenges you're going to have to face, there's not enough paper and not enough ink to write down every situation you're going to face and everything you're going to have to deal with. Can you imagine the size of the book that we would have? Here, Mike, here is your life. We'd have to carry it around in a wheelbarrow. Okay. Right now, we have a book made up of 66 other books. You won't read that. What would you do with a bigger book? To know Jesus is to know the truth. 
Now, let me break it down for you, Alabama style. Okay, I just, <laughs> okay, we're over here, we're lost. Okay, you know what lost means? Don't know where you are, don't know how you got there, don't know how to get back. I tell you this all the time. You're going to meet a friend, you get lost. You call your friend, say, hey, I'm lost. And they'll say, well, where are you? If I knew that, I wouldn't be lost. Okay? I'm lost. You don't know who you are. You don't know why you are. Lost. Okay? The good news of the gospel is not that Jesus says, here's the directions to find me. Okay, guys, even then, Jesus knew it was worthless to give us directions. He didn't say it. Here's what Jesus does. Mike, stick with me. Jesus comes to me. I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus comes to me, grab hold, stick tight. This is where we're going. I don't have to know the direction. I don't have to know the destination. I have to stay real close to the guide. Learn of me. Know me. I'm the truth that will set you free. When the boys were little, we would go Christmas shopping for Jeannie. It was a great day, and some of the funniest stories we have of the boys is when we were Christmas shopping for Jeannie. Here was the rule. When I was paying for something, when I was taking something down from the they had to grab my pockets. Okay? Because you can't watch twins. <laughs> they will be gone in a heartbeat. They will disappear right in front of you. And I was scared to death of saying, Jeannie, well, we went Christmas shopping. I brought one back. <laughs> no, you can hold on to my pockets. That way I could feel. Okay? And they would lean, stretch, but I could feel that they were holding on to my pockets. I knew where they were. That's the Christian experience. Christ comes to us, finds us, hold on, I'll get you there. And we hold on to Jesus. That means to know truth, you have to spend time knowing Jesus. And as you know him, and as you know his word, you begin to see how it applies to your life. And all the questions you have answered not in propositions, but in the person of Jesus Christ. The conversation that happens between little brother and big brother between little sister and big brother. That's who teaches you how to live, isn't it? 
I was always very fortunate in that I had old pastors who liked me. And whenever I was in their town, we would go have lunch, we'd go have coffee, and they would teach me how to pastor a church. If you really wanted to know something, it probably wasn't your mom or dad who taught you. It was your big brother, your big sister. This is what it means. This is how you do that. Jesus, we have a brother, a big brother who comes to us and says, grab hold. Stay with me. Stick on me and I will get you What is truth? That truth is Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount ends with a story that all of you know. Jesus said, the person who hears my words and obeys them It's like a person who built his house on the rock and the storms came and the winds blew and the house stood. The person who hears my words and doesn't obey them. It's like the person who built his house on the sand. The storms came and the winds blew and the house fell and great was the fall. Truth isn't relative. It's relational. It is in knowing Christ that you know those things that you can build your life on. And when the storms come, and they do, and they will, the wind will blow, the rain will fall. But your life will stand. Why? Because you have stood on the words of Jesus Christ. What is truth? Wrong question. Who is truth? And his answer is Jesus. Let's pray together. I know any time you ask a question and somebody says, well, the answer is Jesus. That sometimes can be a frustrating answer. But think about it. You want to know who you are. The answer to that is Jesus, who knows you better than the one who created you. You want to know if there's any way to get out of the mess you're in. The answer to that is Jesus, who better to get you out than the one who died for those sins, the one who conquered death in his own resurrection. You want to know what gives life meaning, who better to tell you. And maybe in this moment, Christ has come to you. And if he has, don't take this moment lightly. 
For it is in this moment that Christ has come to save you, redeem you, to find you so you can follow him home. Now, I'm on my way to the parlor. I'll be glad to meet you there. If you want to talk further, I'll be glad to meet you there. Our other ministers will be standing by to answer these questions to help you know that the answer is Jesus. And if you want to know more about Brentwood Baptist Church, meet us over there. We'd love to have the opportunity to tell you about who we are and where we're going. Perhaps Christ is leading you to be part of our church family, whatever it is. The Lord waits for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray now the choices we make are exactly what you want.